I think at the end of this, it's really a question of what's the meaning we give this? And in some ways, how do I honor the almost soul that came through? And the meaning that I am going to work on is that that was really intense, really fast. And I felt completely and totally out of control. It almost felt like this is the thing that you get to go through to determine your readiness. And then to make you more ready. Right. Because the message for me was, I'm ready when you are mom. And I looked at myself in the mirror today. It was as if I were speaking to him. And I said, I would go through that over and over, over again for you. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hello, my love. This is by far the hardest episode that I have sat down to record yet. Jordan and I go into an aspect of our lives. I always thought that we were going to be very public about from the beginning. I certainly have not been secretive that we are on the journey to parenthood, but as we have gotten closer to actually going for it, I've realized that this process is way more vulnerable than I thought it was going to be. And it became clear that what is best for me, for Jordan and for our family has been to keep components of this process just for us to give it all time to settle and for us to figure out how and when it would be best for us to open up about it. During this episode of the show, we sit down to give you a play-by-play of what's been going on behind the scenes. We open up about when our journey of actively trying for pregnancy began and what it's been like in the months that have followed. During this episode, we also talk about pregnancy loss. I get very emotional several times during this recording. Some parts are a little graphic, and whether you've gone through pregnancy loss before or not, there is a possibility that today's show may do a little more than tug on your heartstrings. And I just wanted to take a moment before the show actually starts to make sure that you are aware of this. If this episode leaves you feeling upset or with some big emotions of your own, please, please, please tend to your sweet self. My hope is that by sharing where we are at, some people will feel less alone in their own process. I will also mention that this is a really big thing for me, for me to share. And my request is that you please refrain from messaging me advice or sympathy. I am, however, open to messages of real lived experiences that can assist with a positive mind, a hopeful heart, a peaceful spirit. Now, on to the show. Hi, friends. Hey. Coming to you with a bit of a tender energy around this particular podcast. We've been having some stuff happening in our personal lives that we've been pretty private about and felt appropriate, although challenging, to share it with our people, with y'all. And so, yeah, I just want to set the, what might be a little bit of a somber tone for this conversation. And this is just real raw and I might even say radical life, real life. Mm. 
Yeah. Tender and sad and hopeful. Yeah. So Jordan and I have been relatively private about our pregnancy journey. And I would say to the point of this recording, we are, our one year anniversary is this weekend. Yay. And we are still very much in love and loving life and still feeling the newlywed vibe. About six months ago, we decided that we were going to stop actively trying not to be pregnant. I think it was more like four, right? Let's see. It's October. I think June. I think you tend to exaggerate this. You do. (laughs) I thought it was six. No, we started in In June. Okay. So yeah, in June, four months ago. Everyone who has any idea of what we're going to be talking about is going to be mad that you were just sideways at me now. I don't you think I was tend sideways. to do this. Well, but I want to be But it isn't accurate. nice. I don't mean for it to not be <laughs> it nice. It just isn't nice. Okay. I don't mean for it to not be nice. My intention is for it to be accurate and I recognize that could be a little more uh mindful. Yeah, of, okay. Of so I had it stuff. I had it wrong then for a little over four five months. That's still wrong. We started in June. In June, we stopped okay. not trying. And it's we're just, at the end of October, October, beginning of November. You want to talk now? You can tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you just sitting over there spitting lies? <laughs> yeah, so in June, we had a, a really beautiful, intimate experience. I'll just share that some Uncle Cousin Kay was involved. Shut up. <laughs> if you can decipher the code of that, good on you. Which is just a fun, connective way. We'll we'll go into like ritualistic, so to speak, intimacy in our sex lives sometimes, and it's it's just really beautiful. And it opened up some just really important conversations, and that was us kind of coming to a bit of a realization and asking ourselves the question: Why are we waiting? Why are we really waiting to start? Our family. We had it in our minds for quite a while now that post Burning Man was when we were going to start trying officially. And Burning Man's end of August, mid late August, going to like the first few days of September, typically every year. And so, yeah, we just had this really beautiful, heart open conversation. And we said, okay, let's take the next step, which is we're no longer going to not not try meaning we are open to it happening, but we're not necessarily super intentionally every day during your ovulation cycle proactively trying. You gave me a confused look like I said something wrong. Because I didn't understand what you said. We're going <laughs> to stop it. not trying. We're going to stop trying not to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly a Says probably millions of people, if not billions of people all over the world. And what does that actually equate to? Yeah. So it kind of equates to pretending, trying not to not or whatever. (laughs) And then very quickly becomes we're kind of trying. So in my mind, I was very sincere about this. (laughs) We're no longer actively not trying and we're more passively open. But it became very clear after that first month that by opening that door, we're essentially trying. And especially from you, it started to turn into a bit of 
when you were then testing to see if you were pregnant, it was a disappointment when you weren't. Yeah. And yeah. And it felt, yeah, and I was tracking too. Yeah. And so at first I was a little, I'll admit confused and frustrated. I was like, well, I thought that this was more of like a passive and we're open to it. And then when I started to recognize a couple things, one that feels a little, I'll even say immature in a sense to my perspective was a little short-sighted and immature of like, okay, we're not officially trying, but we're also not, not trying. It, it just felt a little weird. And I think that was at least part of my shit was wanting to have my cake and eat it too, in a sense of, oh, this is still really scary and risky. And there's a lot of things that I'm perceived to be giving up if we do this fully. So how about we just take a baby step in the direction? Baby so, step. I know, pun intended, except not. Yeah. And so then we, we did that for, I guess, two months before Burning Man. Yeah. We were open in June, but it, we, we didn't hit the window completely. And it was basically what you had alluded to or hinted at was like a ritualistic kind of intimacy ceremony of sorts that mm. we had where we were just looking at each other and it was like, why are we waiting? And there was a piece of me that, had been feeling ready for a long time. And I told myself that I was waiting for you, that you were saying it, but there was something missing in the way that it was feeling. And I remember saying that to you that night that I was like, I'm waiting for you, you know, to be on some level ready, even though it's not possible to actually be ready. What does that even mean? But yeah, anyway, so we didn't hit it's like spot on where we were having sex every day of that particular cycle. We did give it a go in July, but you traveled on one of the days that was my highest fertility. And so, you know, out of when, when tracking, there's a six day window of high fertility. And then you have inside of that two days that are peak fertility. And there's all these different ways to track it. And, you know, I'm tracking my basal body temperature, BBT with a daisy thermometer. And I've gone back and forth and I've done LH strips as well, which are to detect the hormone that signifies ovulation is going to happen within 24 to 48 hours. And I also use the MyFlow app. And so all these data points you know, before we were actually like really, truly trying, I was using these data points so that I could understand because as much as like my teenage self, like my teenage self understood that I could just get pregnant all the time, anytime, whenever. And the adult in her thirties self is like, this is a fucking science experiment. And I don't understand how anyone accidentally gets fucking pregnant. Like it just really blows my mind at this point. Like, how does this, that is really, truly a freaking miracle. And so Anyway, we, we tried in July, we missed one of those peak, you know, the highest of the fertility days, but it was still a good try. Then we went to Burning Man. I actually could have been pregnant at Burning Man, but wound up getting my period at Burning Man. And so we were not like overly disappointed in that. But at the same time, I mean, like we didn't hit that window spot on either. We had a lot going on in the prep for Burning Man. It was very stressful. My parents and family were in town the weekend before. And so we just had a lot going on. And so I wasn't stoked to have my period at Burning Man because that was very uncomfortable. But I also was, you know, like I took a pregnancy test 
in the fucking porter potty, which was weird. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So it was when we got back. When we got back, we had our first real go. One of the two peak days, we fell asleep slash I fell asleep. We won't go get into it. Are you sure you don't want to? Don't want to get into it. But, well, but are you But I positive? did. Yes, I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> I fell asleep. And uh-huh. um, and so we hit, you know, it was five days, I think, in total. And one of the days we skipped. And so this was also right past Burning Man. This was like two weeks after. And we had so much stuff going on. And but we made this commitment that we were really going to go for it when we got back. So we went for it. We missed that one day. And this is when I think it really started to sink in for you that this has an effect on me, mm-hmm. like much deeper than I think you could really understand. Yeah. This feeling of I have this amount of days and these are the days inside that window to get this done. It starts to feel kind of clinical, a little methodical, transactional, transactional, a little bit forced. And so we were just starting to like clue in on the oh shit, we kind of need to be more proactive with this if we want this to be fun, if we want this to be sweet and and all of that. And I think we would get to like maybe day three and be still really into it and into each other. And then we would come upon day four and it would just be like meltdown, you know, like after day three of sex in a row, we're like high-fiving, like we got this. And then day four is upon us and it's a stressful day and we have a lot of moving parts in the day. And then it's just like crumbling and you it's know, 11 p.m. or later, and we're in bed, tired as fuck, and haven't had sex, and but we have to. <laughs> is what it feels like uh-huh. because what you know when we wound we up have getting one chore to check off the list, <laughs> one left. Right. Well, <laughs> when we didn't wind up pregnant after that try in September, that first like real go, like hit pretty much every day. That was you know I started questioning like in that two week wait, which anyone who's tried to get pregnant knows what I'm talking about. It's not quite two weeks for me because I have a 26 day cycle, but it's like 12 days between when ovulation happens and I'm either going to get a positive pregnancy test or I'm going to get my period. That in between is all over the place emotionally. It is exciting. It is filled with possibility. It's filled with hope. It's filled with, you know, this like weird paying attention to every single thing my body does more than I've ever paid attention. Wondering, is this a possible early pregnancy symptom or signal that my body's doing? And what's kind of a mind fuck is that early pregnancy symptoms are exactly the same as working on about to start your period symptoms. And so this kind of back and forth of like trying to calm myself down and be hopeful and just chill to tracking my body temperature, wondering if it's going to keep going up, which is an early signal that pregnancy has occurred or implantation has occurred. And out of that whole window, it's mostly torture. For me, as of now, you know, I think I was starting to figure out how do I actually want this to go down? Because I didn't realize it was going to show up for me like that. Like I didn't know I was going to feel that way until all of a sudden I felt kind of out of control. So I got my period after that September try and that was, you know, sperm and egg post burning man. So I can't, you know, I don't know what the, those were like, but maybe not the, the strongest, maybe a little worn down. Yeah. I don't know. So toxic. <laughs> stressed and tired. Uh-huh. 
But anyway, we tried again at the beginning of October and we hit every day. One of those days we were super tired. (laughs) And that was when I actually broke down and shared with you just how hard the emotions were for me. Like if we're going to go for it, I need us both to show up and really fucking try and really go for it because I didn't want to get to the other side and I'm waiting for my period. And then my period comes and I go, this was the day that, you know, and I didn't want to blame you. And I didn't want to create resentment where I'm like, you're where you were too tired to have sex. So like I said, I wound up going, you know what? I guess I'm tired too. And we can just do it in the morning. And then I'm going to sit here and have gone through that torture and then have my period and go, it was that day. That was the day that caused me that much grief. And I think it was like in me crying and snotting and all of that, like one night during my window where you just like realized just how deep it was for me. And I was starting to get mad. Yes. Yeah. You coerced me to get my seed. Yeah. Well, the thing was, is like, if you want this and you want this with me, with me, then show the fuck up. Both of us show up. Because I can't emotionally and mentally deal with it if we both don't. And it's way harder than I thought it was going to be, like, to just deal with. And then, of course, that brings up questions of, like, can I handle being a mom? If this is hard, can I even do it? And I feel like you think that of me, too. And that's hard. Like, to try and feel like I, or to feel like I need to like hide my emotions when I'm just, I'm an emotional person. And to be even as much work as I have done and you have done and we have done for me to still feel like slash you to still feel like, and maybe you will our whole lives. Feel like my emotions are something to manage. And it's tough because at this point, I know how much I have gone through in my life to get to a place where I want to be a mother. It wasn't easy. I even went through most of my 20s telling my family that I was not going to do it and not to put pressure on me. I told my mom to enjoy her grandkids that my sister gave her because I wasn't going to do it. And it was through so much personal development work Travel, relationships, psychedelics, exploring my sexuality, meeting you, that have opened me up to this. And I, for the most part in my life, was just so afraid of having to do it alone like my mom did. So for most of my life, when I said I didn't want to be a mom, it was because I was afraid. It was because I was afraid that I was going to have a child with someone who was going to leave me and abandon their child. And I met you. And as soon as I met you, I knew that you weren't going to do that. And so a lot of my fears went away that were outside of me. And then it turned into how do I rectify and come to terms with what's inside? Because I'm actually really great with kids. And I love babies. I tried to pretend that I didn't for a long time and that they were just major lifestyle cramps. And why would anyone do that? I mean, for a long time, I didn't understand why anyone would have a dog either. Like it just, with your and life. And you met me and Biggie and we gotcha. Yeah. So I've gone through a lot to get to this place and uh, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you too, baby. And I don't 
like feeling like I am people's, I don't want to say like your emotional project of sorts. That's not really accurate, but like, I don't really like feeling like, and maybe it's, I'm projecting it on you. Maybe it's a little bit truth that you have doubt in my ability to handle pregnancy and motherhood and being a wife and having a business. Yeah. May I? You're going to be a great mom. You're a great wife. You're an amazing business owner and leader. You're an incredible friend. You're fucking amazing across the board. And whatever uncertainties, insecurities that I have, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, like you said, both I think are true. Some concern and some projection. And I've struggled with feeling ready. Big time. I feel way more ready than I ever have now for sure. But yeah, over the last, like probably this year in particular, but even I guess since getting married, so about a year as it's been more imminent and more of a ongoing sort of omnipresent conversation. Yeah. I haven't, I've, I've had hesitancy and I love your emotions. I really, really, really do. Yeah, and sometimes my my fears, my just unfamiliarity with emotions and the big expression of them, I mean, we know this, it pokes at my mom wounds. My mom, I love my mom. Mama Funk, she got to Funk, a.k.a. Dr. Funkenstein. Her last name's Funk, no joke. Listen to the podcast with her, she's a saint. She has big emotions. And that was something when I was a kid was scary to me. It felt like I needed to fix it. I need to be a good boy so that she hopefully didn't have emotions at my expense or as a result of me. And so that comes up in our relationship. So when challenging things arise and you express emotion, it's oftentimes a little boy comes up like, Oh, it's too much. I need to fix it. It's wrong. It's bad. Do something about it to change it. And then that can spiral into absurdity, frankly. And yeah, that's not fair. That's my shit, not yours. You know, I've shared this much with you in various ways, but I'll say it again here. I'm sorry. I don't want to put that on you. I know you're going to be an amazing mom. I see how you are with our friends' kids so intuitively in flow with it. Like I would say amongst our friend group, you very clearly in my mind, and I think probably amongst everyone, if we were to do a poll, an anonymous poll, perhaps you just do it best. It's most natural to you. It's most exciting to you. You just, you want to do it. You were very proactive with supporting our friends and they're little ones and you're always wanting to hold them and they are just very comfortable with you and you are very comfortable with them. So you're meant to be a mama. 
Thank you. I know that we're both doing our best. I know that. And something that something else that I have done my best with is the fact that I am 34 and am just now starting the journey and that that unknown of I think a lot of women think this possibly at some point in their lives or not and it's will I be infertile like will I be able to get pregnant at all you know and then it's will I be able to take a pregnancy to term that then equals a healthy baby on the you know, nine months after a positive pregnancy test. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I have so much, like even more respect for the process women have to go through as we're just getting this started. And to me, it's, you know, I don't want to have one child. I'd like to have siblings because I didn't have that growing up. My sister is 13 years older than I am. So we grew up separately. By the time I have any real memories, she was off, you know, in Baton Rouge at college. And then, you know, and she's been with my brother-in-law since they were in high school. So they've always been together. My whole life, I've only known them as, as a unit. And so I didn't grow up or live with. She was like a second mom to me. So I've always wanted, you know, my experience. There's so much that if I want it in my life, I have to give it to my children and experience it that way. So ideally I have more than one. And so the idea that, you know, that like I'm getting it started at 34 and not knowing what the path is going to look like or the journey is going to look like is scary. Because when I lay out the timeline as, and I'm doing okay with this process, and when I lay out the timeline, you know, by the time I have one and then heal and then let that baby grow up a little bit and then start trying again. And then, you know, like I'm into my forties with this process, depending yeah. Chances are high. Well, it depends on how many and how long we wait in between. But I hear you saying, right. yeah. And when close. the initial, when either of the pregnancies even start, like, you know, like it could take months. Mm-hmm. And so as I approached, you know, as I'm approaching my mid thirties, you know, and the fact that there's medical terminology, like as soon as you hit 35, you're a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> and I, here I am going, I don't even know if I'm an adult yet. Like it's so weird. Like there's so many weird. things that we do where I'm like, well, I shouldn't be allowed to be responsible of these many things. Like <laughs> I'm a child trapped in an adult body. You know, it's kind of what it feels like sometimes. And so anyway, yeah, all this cute. is very present. So kind of back to our timeline, painstakingly, we hit every day in the window of October. And it wasn't all bad to be clear. No, we had a great time. <laughs> Most yes, of it was yes. great, but there were a couple, a couple breakdowns. Sure. Yeah, there yeah. were a couple breakdowns. And then I went into the window of waiting and I was mostly peaceful with this one. I woke up the morning of, I think it was like October 17th, something like that. It was Monday. And my period was going to start either that Monday or the Tuesday. And I knew it was in the window, you know, based on the, my length of cycle and all of that, that if I were pregnant, I could probably take a test and it would tell me yes or no. I mean, it was going to tell me yes or no regardless, but it was more likely that if I were pregnant, it was going to say yes. And so I almost tried to talk myself out of taking the test all morning. I, I woke up, I took my temperature, I saw a little tiny dip. And so with that, I thought... 
man, I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to start my period and like started preparing myself for it's okay. You're okay. You've got this. It's still so early in the journey. Most people, it takes months. Like this is normal. And, you know, trying to like calm myself down and speak sweet words to myself. And then I like held my pee in all morning, like just making my bed and all of that, making the bed. And then I finally was like, cause I had a full day of like stuff scheduled meetings and just stuff. And so I was kind of like nervous to get a not pregnant because then I was afraid I was going to be like sad and trying to process it really all day. And then I just said, fuck it. And I took the test and I was like starting to straighten my hair and stuff. And it's one of those tests that just takes a million years to say pregnant or not pregnant. And I look down at the test, like in the bathroom and I don't see the knot on the stick. (laughs) And my, the words that flopped out of my mouth, I wish they were more graceful, but it was, Oh, my actual God. What is that? That's just a funny thing for me to say. (laughs) Oh my actual God. And then I like looked at it again and I like put my hands on my heart and I put my hands on my body and I just sobbed because that's the first thing I think that like, I needed to know that I could get pregnant. I needed to know that I could make pregnancy hormone that like, that's the first good sign, you know? And so I just, sobbed. And I thought to myself, I said it out loud over and over again to myself and, you know, to the the little tiny dot that was going to turn into our baby. I just kept saying, you are so wanted. You are so loved already. And you are so wanted. And I was like, having my moment in the bathroom, you were out at basketball. And then like, as I'm like, crying in the bathroom. I hear you come in and talk to the dogs (laughs) and I go, shit, he's going to know something's up because I'm in here crying. And so I just called you up to just come up and, and you were like, is everything okay? Well, my initial thought was she's pregnant. It just given this timeline and the circumstances, you being upstairs, That was my initial thought. But then very quickly, it was also like, oh, or something wrong, you know, obviously. And I could just feel a a sincerity in your tone that was like, ah, this is not like, hey, baby, come up here, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So then I came up. And what happened? And then I walked in and I saw you on the ground in in our bathroom. That's where I was crying. Uh Uh-huh. I say our bathroom in your bathroom. We have two different bathrooms. Yep. Anyway. Baby gets the master bathroom. It's not, it's not very mastery, but anyway, <laughs> and you just handed me the test. And my response was something to the effect of no fucking way. And like, holy shit. Yeah. And, yeah. and very genuinely excited. Yeah. And I was even a little surprised, not shocked, but a little surprised that I felt no level of perceptible fear or hesitancy. It was just pure excitement. Yeah. Pure like, holy shit, just elation. Yeah. 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 And so that was our morning and it was really special. Yeah. And. 
I was playing with you a lot. Yeah. It's been really fun to play with you. I know. You are my pregnant wife. You are with child. Yeah. You were saying lots of things to me and it was really sweet. And, you know, throughout the days that followed, you know, we were excited. It's our first time and every friend that we're so close with got pregnant, you know, had a positive pregnancy test and then nine months later had a baby. Yeah. And so anyway, it's like, okay, well, we're going to tell our friends. They told us pretty much right when they had their positive tests and, you know, and so we started to tell some of our closest family, our closest friends, and then we're just so excited. And I was just so excited that, you know, if it would come up in certain kind of little conversations with people. You just have the ability to share in the moment when it felt Yeah. And in our community, there's a number of people in our outer community that know this is where we're at. Yeah. We haven't been sharing all that much of this, like the actual journey publicly on social media or anything like that, because quite frankly, I want people to leave me alone. I don't want to be asked questions I How's don't it going? want it's such a weird thing. I don't want advice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want resources. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that I wasn't going to want all of that until I saw my public friends go through it and realized that social media was overwhelming them. Yeah. Like our friends, Carly and Austin, Carly was, she waited a while before she announced. And even still, she wound up having to take the comment section Like, you know, when you watch someone's stories, she took the ability to respond to stories away off of her Instagram. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) And she just goes, it was too much. And so I watched and her and I watched Amber and then a D wound up completely coming off of Instagram. And so I'm like, well, this is our business. And so I just got kind of a little bit of fear. And so I decided I don't want to talk about this on my social media. Yeah even though I originally thought I was going to talk about every step of the way. Yeah. And then I realized I just, I need to take a step back and protect myself because I was not anticipating to feel some of the things that I was feeling. And it's just too tender and too raw to share in the moment. Yeah. This is as close as I'm getting. Yeah. And it's again, kind of an awkward thing where, well, we weren't super public about it. We also weren't super private about the fact that we are in, the season of trying and when I would get in conversations with people who I had shared that with in in some way, the first question asked more or less is how's it going? And there's one of two answers. (laughs) One, we're either pregnant or two, we're not. And so it's either success or failure is what that kind of equates to. Right. And so right. I was even experiencing that. And I think you were too on some level. Right. Like each time I would get my period, once people, mm-hmm. certain people knew we were open to being pregnant, Yeah. you know, I'd get my period or I'd say I was on my period. And then, and then the, the weirdest response would be like, how do you feel about it? <laughs> I'd be like, I feel like I have my period. Yeah. Like for anyone who has a period knows what day one of your period feels like, you and know, bless all those people's hearts. Cause they're, they love us. They love us. And they're just excited with us for us and want to be in the know and celebrate the journey a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it's not they only harmless, vested. it's actually really beautiful. Yeah. They feel vested there. Yeah. They're also excited with and for, and I think we wind up feeling almost the pressure of other people's hope. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh Like they hope we don't have a hard time. They hope it's easy for us. They hope all these things. And 
Yeah. And so we feel that. Yeah. And one more thing I want to share before we keep moving through the story and the journey is that was for both of us, but just speaking from my perspective, getting pregnant was always something I was terrified of my entire life. (laughs) It was like that and STIs are some of like the biggest fears for young people that are sexually active. And without getting too much into the story, and I don't know if I've ever actually shared this on the podcast. I feel like I probably have at least in passing, but I had an abortion as a young man. And that experience was very traumatic. Like it was very sad in a sense, kind of like similar masculine feminine dynamics, if you will, where like for her, it was really intense for me. It definitely was, but I was separate from it on some level, obviously like biologically speaking and to have that moment and that week of, wow, I'm like reclaiming that trauma. I'm, I'm fucking stoked. Yeah. There's fear and there's things coming up, but they are so overshadowed and superseded by the greater truth. That is, this is right. This feels so exciting. You are so welcomed little one and wanted and just all those sentiments. Yeah. And I wanted to share that because I imagine that there's some people that can really resonate with that journey and that experience. Yeah. And that was with someone that you dated for a while and you were in college. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved through telling some people and getting really Which excited. It was so fun. It was so fun. I recorded <laughs> pretty much every FaceTime that I did. Yep. I would I like call my mom and call my screen certain friends it. and screen recorded. I didn't get their <laughs> audio. I don't know if I'm just like iPhone illiterate or what and couldn't get their audio or if that's actually not something that screen recording does when you're on the phone. But yeah, I, People were just so excited. Some of my family was so dramatic with their responses and I loved it. Yeah. And it just felt so empowering and exciting. Like we're doing it. We're fucking doing it. Like, holy shit, it's happening for us. I didn't anticipate that part of it as so many aspects. How could you anticipate, but how fun that part of the initiation would be is like sharing it with our community and at first it was really awesome. And then I was like, fuck, we got a lot of people to do this with. And then I was like, cool. Every day we're, we're like calling and sharing with a few significant people in our lives. Yeah. And that was just, I looked forward to that every yeah. day. And like your dad is 77 and he's, mm-hmm. he has not been a grandfather yet. Yeah. And my mom, I mean, my, my nieces are so much older, you know, I'm closer in age to them than I am my sister. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like this is the first baby in a really long time. And we were Seeing as each person was told, especially in our families, just how much we were going to be the source of joy for our families and this kind of joy for the first time in a really long time and how it was bringing people together. I mean, it was also shaking some shit loose in my family, but, (laughs) but mostly like, like so much joy. So fast forward a little bit, about 11 days, 10 10 or so days go by and my biggest pregnancy symptom, which wasn't, I was expecting them to come because I technically found out that I was pregnant when I was three weeks and three days. That's very early, like very, very early and very spiritual. (laughs) So very early. And that's because I have short cycles 
well, I don't have shorts. I'm on the shorter end of the spectrum. And so I was like four weeks and five or six days. So almost five weeks, you know, the week after we found out halfway through the, the week after we found out my biggest pregnancy symptom up to that point was sore boobs, sore titties. Yeah. Like Tender titties. Very <laughs> sore and tender. And I was just kind of being patient with like what else is going to come. And what I noticed was like, kind of as the week would go, my boobs would get kind of heavy and kind of painful, like as the day would go on. And then they would be heavy and painful. They're like throughout the night I'd wake up. I had a little bit of insomnia and then it would kind of taper off and get better throughout the day, but it would still be tender and sore. Tuesday, I noticed it was a little bit less than it seemed to be progressing and getting kind of worse. And then Tuesday, it felt a little bit less, which I noticed. And I remember telling my mom that I was like using my boobs as a barometer of like what's happening. And I don't know, for some reason, and I don't know if this is all the time, like, if, like not all the time. I don't know if this is going to be, if this is a thing for every person or lots of people for every pregnancy or what, but I like, between Tuesday and Wednesday, I really was asking the question for like this weird validation that I know nobody around me could actually give me. But I, I was asking, do you think I'm going to stay pregnant? And you had been asking that throughout. But like, you think I'm going to stay pregnant? Yeah. And it, and I, I didn't have a reason why to ask that. Anyway, Wednesday, I wake up and I am just filled with anxiety. Like, didn't know what to really do with myself. I'm laying in bed and I had to put my hands on my body and I had to just calm myself down and take big, deep breaths. And I kept putting my hands on my belly and saying like, you're okay. It's okay. Like, we're all going to be fine. You're healthy. And I remember even telling you to tell me, reflect back to me, tell me I'm healthy. Tell me the baby's healthy. And I, and I, and I, at first I kept calling it just cells. I kept saying, oh, I have a little tiny ball of cells. And I like kept trying to do that almost in a way to protect myself if something was going to happen. Yeah. And, and I had reflected back to you, stop that. Yeah. Stop uh, minimizing and demeaning this beautiful thing. And I, cause I sensed that's what you were doing is you're wanting to sort of protect myself. Yeah. Protect yourself and disconnect from it a little bit, just in case something happened or yeah. And I was very much like, no, no, no. Let's like be fully with this and celebrate it. Right. And so you were like, that's our baby. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I was like practicing that. And I'm like, that's our baby. Yes. It's like barely an embryo, you know? And so Wednesday, I like trying to calm myself down. I get up and we go for a walk and I'm just an emotional mess. You know, I'm easily overwhelmed. And I think you thought I was just kind of be in my normal emotional self, but just like with pregnancy hormone mixed in. And I had this feeling like you were, you were almost afraid for me. Like, what is this pregnancy going to be like? For sure. Like, what's your life going to be like? Like, what the fuck are we doing? What did we get ourselves into? Holy shit. And it was just, it wasn't, I felt like something wasn't right. And I knew it. And you left, I think, for a little while and I had a podcast to record and, and it's actually at some point it'll come out as a podcast with Adam Roa. And I went to the bathroom right before recording. And when I went to the bathroom, I noticed that I was spotting a little bit and I was immediately like, Oh shit. 
what's happening. And so I messaged my friends. I actually messaged my friends earlier that morning because I was having so much emotional stuff come up that I was like, y'all, I am, I'm in it. I need some help like with reflections. And so all of the moms in the group were just sharing like the anxiety is normal. It passes. Like maybe some of it passes. It doesn't fully go away. Like it's going to be okay. We're here for you. And then I get all these, you know, reflections and I start to feel like a little bit better. I'm getting my shit together. And then the spotting happens. And then I start, you know, I, then I ask them for those of you that had, have had babies, how many of you had spotting? And so then they reflect that. And then I go into the podcast and I am so distracted, so distracted. I'm scared. I don't know what's happening. And I don't know, you know, like everything on Google says it's normal. You know, everything's normal in Google whenever you type thing plus pregnant. And so I like make it through the podcast. I was a little bit awkward. I was very emotional before I even like got on to the call and made it through. Then afterwards we were going to visit the new house, the house that we chose. Um, it's a little bit outside of the city. We actually chose this house and applied to break our lease and start a new lease and go try out an area of Austin that's way more spacious and our friends are moving out there mm-hmm. and we want to give it a go. And we, we chose family. Family was the mm-hmm. reason why we chose this place. And when we chose it, we chose it Sunday when we applied. So we, we chose this place on Sunday and Monday morning, we got the positive pregnancy test. So we yeah. felt like, oh my God, all these synchronicities, life's going to start you know, slowing down. We have an excuse. Like we're going to move a little bit further outside of the city. It was all these affirmations and synchronicities. And we were like, oh my God, it's, it's happening for us. It's, you know, it's another one of those like waves of it's all happening for us. Yeah. And I just want to jump in real quick. So I think there's a fun little texture to the synchronicity story and I won't get super into the details, but we had all but signed the lease on a different house. That was a friggin' badass, like kind of like a dream Airbnb scenario, like retreat getaway, if you will. And it was brand new build, just so cool and huge by our standards. Um, like 3,500 square feet, yeah. five bedrooms with a casita. Yeah. Pool, jacuzzi. Amazing. Just the works and quite pricey. Yeah. We, we thought we were going to host people and host well, retreats exactly. there instead yeah. of renting Airbnbs all the time, yeah, but it so, was going to be a real big risk. Yeah. So that weekend in particular, we had gone through a really, a pretty intense family decision-making process where we were just analyzing all the angles and we, on the other side of it, we had this really beautiful realization I was holding the line for how we were going to make this decision, not necessarily what the decision would be. Of course, that's part of it. It was more, how do we make these kinds of big decisions in our family? And you were, you were fighting me. Baby girl was wanted what she wanted. Well, I just wanted, it's not even just what I wanted. I I wanted to make a decision and I wanted to fucking move on. Yeah. And I was unwilling to make this big of a decision under pressure. Right. And it just so happened that I was at, my mentor's house in like kind of Northwest Texas that weekend. Who's like best friend, father figure, big brother, all the things. And he said something really beautiful to me as I was sharing what was happening in real time. He's like, I learned a long time ago and made the commitment to never make manic decisions under pressure. The only time that's ever necessary in a sense is life threatening. And hopefully you'll never even have that or we'll have it 
once or maybe twice or whatever in your life. And so anyway, I get home from that and we sit down, I guess two more times that night and then the next morning and really reanalyzed the whole decision and actually changed our decision. Cause again, right. we had all but signed the lease, but I was, it was really important to me to do it together and to just do it from yeah. a place of complete clarity. We were just on the same page. We were connected and you said something to me that I think was just such a pivotal moment in our relationship where you said, and you put it in quotes, it was very cute in the text when I wasn't home yet. The Bowditch family makes decisions together. Yeah. Makes it was big so decisions special. together, even though I was pissed about it. I know. But yeah, but we sat at the table and I just said, like, it feels like our future family wants this other place. Yes. And that was the last thing I was going to say is that we had two distinct paths. Once, once we had the bird's eye view and really sat with it and properly uh, analyzed it, one is more business slash personal. This cool house. We host retreats there. We have our friends there, all that kind of stuff. And this other path is home. And you said something that I thought was really beautiful. This is the home that we wish we would have grown up in as kids. Yeah. So yeah. Also with a pool and a jacuzzi and a yeah. nice big backyard. It's got some good stuff too. It's yeah. much more like a home. Yeah. So we just felt like so much was happening the way it was supposed to. Absolutely. And so anyway, we went to go see this house and do the walkthrough. And we, our realtor was there and her name is Manny and she's been very public about her birth story. And a handful of years ago, she had a stillbirth and it was very big and, and traumatic. And of course she's leveraged it and used her story to help others. And she's written a lot about it and it's on her, her social media and stuff. And she was there with her like four ish month old now, little this baby boy. Little boy. He's so adorable. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, I was there with her and, and I just felt off all day, like couldn't shake it. And I just kept kind of spotting and I was at the house and, and then I was asking her and I, I was like, you know, I started spotting today and I just don't know. And she said, well, you know, I, I spotted two and now I have a baby. And I just kept trying to t feed myself with positive information and energy. And I, my mom, you know, I'm, I'm talking with her and she's so like concerned and worried and wish, wished she could be with me knowing that I was just like, whether it was going to be a positive outcome or, or not, like she was just sad that she couldn't be with me when I was really kind of stressing out. And I just like, couldn't, again, couldn't shake the feeling all day. The bleeding kind of picked up. We left the house, we got home. And I was messaging who I was hoping would be my midwife that would help me bring our baby into the world and who would support me and us through the pregnancy journey and process. I already had a consultation, initial appointment set up with her, you know, for around six weeks. And she I was, supported several of our friends. And supported several of our friends. She's She's been the midwife for lots of the babies that are in our community. And she, I messaged her and she was so fucking sweet and just giving with her time. Cause I wasn't technically a client yet. And so, you know, and, and she's sitting there texting me and she's asking me, you know, I'm going to tell her that I've got the spotting and this, that, and the other. And she's like, well, keep me posted. She's like, have a busy day. So I like, as the bleeding kind of started to get, it went from like a little bit of spotting to a little bit darker and just going to be, if you're in this far listening to our story, like, we're just going to get a little bit more graphic as we go, but nothing too crazy. So it started to like look a little bit thick, like little pieces were in it. And I just 
I think I, I knew from the moment I woke up as the day went on, my boobs just, it was almost like the sensitivity just started to go completely away. And now I realize like, that's one of the the most common things. Everything that happened in this particular order is basically textbook early miscarriage. And I spoke, you know, I told Monica that, and that's who the midwife is. When I messaged her and I told her like, it's getting a little bit more, but you know, I'm still hopeful and, and just wanted to keep you in, in, you know, let you know, here's an update. And then she said, please call me. And when I saw, please call me, I was just like, I was already on and off crying because I just didn't know it was happening. And, but I, I mean, internally I knew and called her and she was asking me more questions. And she basically, in so many words, tried to prepare me for what she intuitively knew and through her experience knew what was about to happen, but she didn't want to take all of the hope away. So, you know, she said things like, I've seen crazy things and this could be this or this could be that. And so just keep me posted. And so it was shortly after I spoke with her, I think maybe within a couple of hours, I went to the bathroom and actually started passing bigger pieces. What looked like, you know, anyone who's had a period possibly knows what it's like to pass some clots, you know, because you shed your uterine lining. And so what it looked like was that if there was anything, you know, like let's say a sack or something like that, that had been developing, what more than likely happened was that we had a fertilized egg. It implanted. I started making pregnancy hormone. What possibly happened was that the sack and yolk started to form, but then the embryo or the zygote and the embryo, whichever state it was in, in its, in its replication and division process, something in that process didn't go right. And so my body just shut down the process and immediately went to expel and release. And so as this is happening, you know, when I go to the bathroom and I see this process, I'm like, it's real. And I just start crying and I'm just like on the couch, kind of going back and forth. I start to get like low level cramping, you know, throughout this process. And we stay up to like almost midnight. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm going, I'm fucking miscarrying right now. What the fuck? This wasn't supposed to happen this way. It's not supposed to happen for anyone this way, but, and then I'm just like in it with why kind of shock, you know? And, and like, why does my story have to start with this? Why? When I think about pregnancy and I look at all these people in my life that have had these amazing pregnancies that end in these, these healthy, beautiful children, they don't, they don't have to start their story with, I miscarried first. And it's just, it was hard. The next day, I and mean, of course my mom was like devastated in the process. She was so upset that she couldn't be with me. The next morning, I had a rough night's sleep. And then I woke up and the next morning, I just like kept bleeding and um, contacted the midwife. We spoke again. And we were about certain 
that this is early miscarriage. And the truth is, I mean, most people, and I go, I flip flop, right? I flip flop and I communicate in my head and out loud more like scientific fact based information. And then I kind of flip back on the other side and it's more like this was a dream and a timeline. This was going to be a July, the first week of July, cancer baby, a little emotional creature connected to the moon and making plans, you know? And, um, and even though it was only like a week and a half, it's a beautiful week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, the day after it started was the hardest day of my life in a long time. Not the hardest day I've ever had, but the hardest one in a very, very long time. And I'm no, I'm no stranger to grief. So I know what the process feels like, but I definitely felt like it was very confronting to you. Mm. Yeah. What was your process in like watching this happen? As well, I'm in a sense, used to your emotions or maybe I'm that's not even quite the right way to put it I'm aware of them and I flow with them for the most part even though they can be a little scary or unfamiliar it's like that's my baby that's you complete to me kind of complimentary qualities that I, I genuinely love and but this was challenging the shadow of that for me of like these are unsafe. These are unpredictable. These are uh, scary. And I'll even say, and I, I shared this with a, a close friend, is I wanted to be very mindful to just be with you the whole time and put my humanness, so to speak, my personal shit aside to be with my wife during a particularly challenging time and recognizing that while I was and am sad and upset and disappointed in all these things, I don't, I didn't and don't feel what you feel. It's impossible for obvious reasons. And nonetheless, I want to sympathize to the degree that I can empathize and just be present with my wife. And that was really challenging for me. I'm on the other side of that now to where I feel like I can be, and I am being much more genuinely present with you. Yeah. You are um, physically right there, but emotionally very, and like your, your energy was very distant. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to say small self shadow of me that was that was coming up it was a lot of things around and again I shared this with a close friend we went to like our, our friend groups monthly co-ed meetup and went a little early and went on a walk with my buddy and shared with him man what's many things are true so I just want to say that first and it's just important to acknowledge that I can have feelings that are good slash positive and preferred as well as ones that are 
maybe I'll label as bad, unpreferred. I even feel shame, embarrassment, wrong for having those. So what I shared with him and gave that context as well, and he knows me really well, and we just have so much love and trust for one another. He's my boy that I can filter and process some of these things. So I bring my best to you, my wife. And some of those things I shared were, bro, I'm, I'm really annoyed. Like that was a feeling that I had was annoyed and it felt so shitty to feel that way, but I couldn't help it was, you know, she's just, she's just so emotional. She's crying and just is so in the depths of sorrow and melancholy. And I was frustrated with it and just had a a feeling of, can we just, when are we going to get over this and just move on and get back on the horse, so to speak, and try again. So a lot of those things were coming up for me and I have, you know, enough self-awareness to acknowledge that that's not how I want to show up with you and for you. I can have those things. That's okay. Again, I am human, but like what's most important is to be fully with my wife in her time of need and, and show up for my family yeah, and just a fatherly husband, man of the house, if you will, kind of way. And hold your emotions, not pretend to. And so, yeah, that's like kind of been my experience. It's Saturday right now. It's Saturday morning as we're recording this. And it's and all this unfolded all's... on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday slash on, Thursday. Yeah, it started on Wednesday. Yeah. And so... I actually kind of can't believe... It's kind of wild. I, that we're sitting here doing it. It felt... uh important to just do it. I also felt like it wasn't going to get any easier. Yeah. It wasn't like, Oh, when I have a healthy pregnancy then I can talk about it in a particular kind of way. Like it, I think this is always just going to be the beginning of this journey and it's yeah. always going to hurt. You know, and some people might say, well, you know, like and I can rationalize like this. So I can go, okay, well, cool. At least I didn't go to like eight weeks, nine weeks. Yeah. Some people have like, you know, the term is like blighted ovum, which is what we think might've happened. Like some people don't find out until they go for scans. Like they don't act, their body doesn't expel and they wind up having to have, you know, procedures and stuff like a DNC dilation curtage, I think is how you say it, where they have to like pull it out essentially. And like, I didn't, I didn't need that. And so like, there's all these things that I can say that I'm grateful for. And I can also say like, this happens so frequently and this is such a common thing. And I can say all of these things and they, and they definitely help. The fact that one in five pregnancies ends in a miscarriage, that 50 to 75% of miscarriages happen before the person even knows, like they just think that they're having a period or it might be a little bit of a stronger or bigger period. They won't even know. And that it's actually a healthy thing that that's not going to turn into a viable human thriving human. And your body is going, whoop, nope. So many things, so many things need to happen in a very specific, particular order. It's a fucking miracle. It's a fucking (laughs) miracle. And I'm just so grateful that my, my body could even do it. Yeah. You know, and there is fear that like, is it going to happen again? And when, when is it going to be our turn? And will we be able to get pregnant? You know, how soon after this? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're pointing out the two sides of us. One is the, the silver lining slash leveraging statistics and biology and science to normalize it and feel better about it. And then there's the other side where it's like the more call it spiritual, emotional, like both are very valid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely very comforting. I know to you and certainly to me, 
like yesterday we went to an OBGYN that was recommended by our, our, midwife. our midwife. And, and that, I think that really helped because again, it was much more of that biology scientific reassurance like, oh yeah, this is quite normal. And we are no more likely for this to happen again, just because it's happened it once. happening the first there's time. There's no, yeah, it's not, there's no statistic that says, oh, because we had it once, we now might be more likely it's still one in five. Right. At this point, you know, having this happen or having this occur around the five week mark, it was between, you know, like four and five weeks. It's over a 21% chance, yeah. which is big yeah, for miscarriage. And it, it only goes down every week that goes by. Yeah. And this very much from her perspective, and we kind of already knew this, but again, getting it from her was, this is the best case scenario. Like how it happened was very clean, so to speak. I wasn't in a lot of pain because I wasn't yep. very far along. Yep. Your body- My body expelled- Yes. So I, I didn't need medical intervention. No antibiotics, no kind of stuff that you might need the further along it goes. Right. Right. But I mean, even people who wind up sometimes with this same situation, but further along, a lot of times what winds up happening is the fetus only develops to a certain point. There's a chromosomal issue, a cell division issue, and it stops my body release, but some people's bodies don't release. And so they don't have a scan, like they're not showing any miscarriage symptoms. So they go to their like seven or eight week appointment and the, the fetus or the embryo is only dated back. So like when the miscarriage actually happened was at week five or week six, but yeah. they're just weeks along that yeah. their body was still producing the hormone because the, they, they hadn't expelled it. So like the placenta and that kind of thing, like there's so many things. And so, yes, that was, this was a best case scenario that it happened this way. And it is a marker of like, my body's doing its job. The midwife kept telling me, you know, your body is so wise and trust the process. And I'm doing my best to tell myself that and to say those things and to have faith and to have hope. And I go, it's like a, a roller coaster. And I imagine anyone who is listening to this, whether you've gone through something similar, your own version, or like you're partnered with someone who's gone through it, it is, it is quite literally a roller coaster. And I'm only a few days past. And I imagine like the roller coaster bumps will get a little less but I will go through a period where I'm like, I'm empowered. I'm looking at my flow app and I'm like, okay, when do I think I'm going to ovulate again? And when are we comfortable with trying again? And how do I feel? Trying again right away. <laughs> you know, and like, can I emotionally handle it and all these things? And so then I'm like, okay, this is good. And then I'll be sitting with my thoughts and I'll realize like, like just a few days ago, I was like putting my hands on my body and being like, oh my God, I did it. You know, and that's just sad. That's what I kept saying to you and, and to my family. It was just like, I'm okay. And today's a really sad day. Yeah. Today's a really, really sad day. And, and of course I have so much faith yeah. and this really fucking sucks. And I got a reflection from one of my friends. Something that really has helped is that I've reached out to some people in a, kind of our extended community and asked them about their miscarriages. And I had one friend that said, basically reflected to me that I'm one of the strongest people that she knows. And which is so crazy because I, I see myself as so sensitive, but so many people see me as both. I think oh, yeah. very sensitive, sensitive and very strong. strong. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you've been through so much. And I mean, she has, you know, kind of more of a, a Christian kind of God way of like communicating and stuff because she's a Christian, but and I resonate with this in the way that she explained it to her. She 
said, you've been through things because God knows you are here. God put you here to help people. You can go through hard things. You will go through hard things. And it's because you're meant to help people. Yeah, it's because you, deeply. I don't even know if I told you that. Maybe you, I told you, you did, something you about that. Exactly like she that. was like, God gave you a voice yeah. and people listen to you. And so I think that was another piece of like, I don't want to keep this in. And yeah. as much as I don't want people to really like be all like in my journey with me. So when you hear this, don't send Lex an Instagram message. Just leave her alone. <laughs> well, I'm kidding. Mostly serious. You know what? I think like for some people, they might listen and they might feel my pain and they might be moved and yeah. emotional and in some way want to reach out to help themselves process how ah, they felt about yes. my thing. There you go, baby. That's it. Because I'm, I'm experiencing that a little bit with my friendships, but it makes sense, right? Yeah. They were attached, yeah. right? And some people who've been following us for a long time, like they, they feel with us. Yeah. And, and I understand. Beautiful. I think the thing that winds up helping though right now is when people tell me that they've gone through it and then they had a healthy baby after. Yeah. Like that's the thing that I think I'm really open to, which is like, this happened to me too. And now I have my daughter or yeah. now I have my son or now I have like two healthy kids, you yeah. know, like there's, there's something in that that feels really good Yeah. because you're going to bed at night right now and I'm staying up for like another hour, just Googling so that I can feel better. And most of the stuff, that I'm reading is helping and some of it. I'm just like, well, I got to stop, you know, <laughs> like it's a little much, but. <sighs> yeah. A couple of things I want to say, maybe a few, and then we can start to close this out. Something that was very reassuring for me, the doctor yesterday. I'm so grateful for sometimes I shit on Western medicine. And I think a lot of people maybe in the conscious community, so to speak, do. And there's legitimate reasons for that but it was very comforting to go into that clinical setting and have that experience and have the gift of science and that kind of knowledge to be able to empower us. It felt so great when she essentially said, there's nothing y'all could have done yeah, and there's nothing that you can or should do differently. It was like, uh, cause you had shared, you know, we were at a, a biohacking experience that I do every Sunday and you went this last time and we're in front of a machine that like charges your mitochondria biocharger. Bio yeah. I was like, the biocharger did it. <laughs> yeah, And so she's thinking and understandably so like, what did I do that could have caused this? Yeah. Uh, and I'm, and I know better. I know better. There's nothing I could have done. Totally. But again, it's, you know, just a shout out to Western medicine for providing some of that perspective and insight. So that was one piece and, and everything looked good. You know, I had a vaginal ultrasound, I had a pelvic exam yeah. and they drew blood work. Yep. And so we're going to just make sure that my pregnancy hormone levels go to zero. And then it's time to go again. My uterine lining, she said all the swelling looked like it was going pretty much down. Yeah. I've passed almost everything. Yeah. I'm still bleeding up to the point of like talking to you. I'm, I'm yeah. still bleeding a little bit, but it's mostly gone. Yeah. And, and the other thing for me that's very exciting is we did it. Did it. Yeah. Like we got pregnant. Yeah. It feels so silly and funny to say we, like I've been having some funny little jokes with my brother about we're pregnant. It's so cheesy because I'm not, she is, but like <laughs> we as a family are. Uh, and like, that was concerning. That was scary, you know, go like getting to that point and we fucking did it and we're going to do it again. Yeah. And yeah. that experience, that short, you know, nine, 10 days or whatever of celebrating, I'm so grateful for it. And I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I go through this, like, these weird waves of feeling like I disappointed everyone. No. <laughs> I feel like I their joy yeah. is now sorrow or sympathy. They feel bad for us, yeah. which is a weird feeling. And I'm like, does this ever, does the mark of miscarriage ever go away? I don't know. You know? Yeah. So I want to do... <sighs> my best. Right. So I've shared on the podcast before that I have been visited by a little boy energy Mm -hmm. in a presence and the most profound time that I experienced him, which who knows if that's really what's going to wind up happening, you know, that we have a little boy or, or not, we'll see. But his message to me was, I'm ready when you are. And you know, I think at the end of this, it's really a question of what's the meaning we give this? What's the meaning we make of this? And in some ways, how do I honor the almost soul that came through? You know, and the meaning that I am going to work on is that that was really intense, really fast. And I felt completely and totally out of control. And it was it almost felt like if i could give it some meaning and almost as if our future child has not played a trick it's not played a trick it's almost like are you sure you're ready it's like this is the thing that you get to go through to determine your readiness it's kind of like like and then to make you more ready right yeah. because his his react i mean his message for me was i'm ready when you are mom yeah mm-hmm. and you know I looked at myself in the mirror today and I like, as it was as if I were speaking to him and I said, I would go through that over and over, over again for you. Over and over. And I'm ready. I'm ready. You are. And you're so, I love you so much. (laughs) You're so strong. You're so beautiful with tears streaming down your face and snot coming out of your nose. As you <laughs> I haven't done my away. makeup or done my hair in like over a well, week. Well, it's fucking pointless. I feel ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Puffy ass eyes. She's been putting ice packs on her eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to in this moment just share something that's coming up for me is the first time I experienced you, like really experienced you, was a similar emotional state. Tears streaming down your face as you're just so beautifully, eloquently expressing yourself and what you're going through, your emotions. It's just unlike anything I've ever seen. And that's how, why I fell in love with you instantly on a Facebook Live five years ago. Yeah. And so in my (sighs) moments when I'm in my own shit and not really with you, I'm going to do my best to remember this. Yeah. It's a weird thing going through something that is very grief stricken or heart wrenching where it's like, it feels very isolating, but I know that there's so many people and I can see how this was best case scenario and at least this and at least that. And in my grief, I'm like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Fuck all that. (laughs) You know, this is, this is just my story and my journey and ours. And 
it's this thing where it's like, it feels really isolating or like I need space or like overwhelming, but I also like need you, need you. Mm, And I want to say something to that real quickly. In my conversation with my buddy, he, I just adore him. And at the end of it, he acknowledged everything I said and was feeling and said, and this may be one of the most important up to this point experiences in your relationship where you show up for your wife in this and like all that other stuff can be is valid, true in a sense. And what, but what is most important is this bigger thing of showing up for your wife. And yeah, that for me and my readiness, if you will, of this experiment and finding the meaning is showing up for my wife. And that came up last weekend in a little breathwork journey we did at a festival we supported, attended, co-facilitated, produced, because that just keeps finding us, uh, was the message for my future self and the vision of where I want to be, what came through a show up for your wife. And it's, I didn't, I didn't even put that together until this moment. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And this was a test. And I could say on some level, I failed. But, so that you could never fail again. Well, exactly. And, but I've recognized in real time as the failure was happening and I've course corrected and am doing better. And, and I, I think I'd also just really want to underscore the importance of community in this process and how that's been for us, my guys in particular, that guy that was just, that hit me. And you, you said it that night when we were going home that you felt you felt me way immediately. More. Yeah, yeah. Immediately after you got back from that. Yeah. Like I feel like you're there because up until then I felt like you were sitting next to me and I was still grieving alone. And yeah. then I was like, I mean, of course it gets me to start questioning, like, what does this mean for our future and our relationship yeah. and you as a father? And then I was like, we're going to go through hard things. Are we built for this? Like it was just really it was, you know, it brought up a lot yeah. and I think it brought up so much that's going to make us amazing parents because now we have this understanding Absolutely. of each other. And part of me, you know, thinks that like our future baby, our future child, like needed us to get almost in a way needed us to go through this so that we could have the evolution in our relationship and in our lives and start making certain decisions for ourselves and our lives. So, so that he can come yeah. or they yeah. Not they, he or she can come. Well, they, them, there. Thank Stop you. That. that was very inclusive and considerate of you. Stop that. To non-binary them. Stop. They, there. Caesar. <sighs> Stop. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, but that's what it, that's what it feels like in some ways. And that's the meaning that I am going to give it. Yeah. I'm also going to hold faith that we are very fertile now. For the come next on now. few months. And so yeah. the... The last thing that I think that I want to leave us with, because I'm definitely a glutton for punishment, it seems, with regards to emotions and feelings, is that all this is happening while, funny, Taylor Swift releases her album, Midnight, I think is what it's called. And I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but... I am a T-Swift fan. Oh, T-Swift-ski. I'm not like crazy, crazy, but I do listen to her stuff. (laughs) And anyway, while this is happening, her new album is released and it is breaking the internet. (laughs) And one of the songs 
is called Bigger Than the Whole Sky. And as this is all happening yesterday, so this was Friday then, my friends point out to me that there's essentially a big movement that is happening right now Mm -hmm. that is based off of one of the songs. And, and I think what I want to, and I I felt inspired to even share our story so early because I think this is, there's a tension, there's a tension. And so I, not even that it's trending, I feel supported in sharing it in some ways. And I also feel like I'm going to be speaking to people who just understand. And again, like that friend reflected, I have a voice. And so, and it can be healing and sharing of my story and for others and all that. And so, you know, even though it was only like 10 or 11 days, it mattered. It mattered to our family and it mattered, mattered a whole lot to me. And so, you know, to anyone who has gone through pregnancy loss, which was such a mindfuck to take all my abs that were tracking pregnancy and switch them back or turn them off, you know, with a button, a button that said, I am no longer pregnant. Fuck it. So anyone, you know, that has gone through it, like, I just feel with you. Like, it's really fresh for me, for sure. But like, I just feel with you. And anyway, I'm just going to kind of really close out with just the first portion of this song that is inspiring people all over the world to share their pregnancy loss stories. And so it starts with, no words appear before me in the aftermath. Salt streams out of my eyes and into my ears. Every single thing I touch becomes sick with sadness. Because it's all over now. All out to sea. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. You are bigger than the whole sky. You are more than just a short time. And I've got a lot to pine about. I've got a lot to live without. I'm never going to meet what could have been, would have been, what should have been you. No, even though it was so quick, as soon as I saw that pregnant, as soon as I didn't see the knot, the thing inside me became all that I could see. Nothing else mattered outside of it and us as a family. And so I definitely resonate with the song as, um, you know, this little one that didn't happen was bigger than the whole sky for me. It was going to be for us. And so... While the science helps me, like, have hope to carry on, I also want to honor the fact that it was really fucking big to me. No. And while I believe that the soul of that one is just going to come right back, come through as a healthy baby at some point, we created something. And I will have a moment 
to grieve it. I love you. I love you too. I'm so proud of you. I feel a mess. You're a beautiful mess. A hot mess. I don't feel very hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like snot and tears. There's some sexy snot and tears you're rocking. <sighs> I love you, sweetie. I love you too. I hope that us just sharing this some way, I mean, maybe for some people it will be sad and sweet and entertaining in some way. And maybe for some people their feelings will be validated. They'll know that they're not alone. Maybe in some ways women who've experienced pregnancy loss by hearing you speak to your side of all of it might help them with resentment or fear or stuff that they experience that they don't have words for. And like, I'm just, my hope is that however this could be of service, hope is that it really is. It finds who it's supposed to find. Maybe so. So, so it, it is. Ahoski. Ahoski. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.